All right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Genesis. Now, the last time we were here, we were in chapter 35, as we saw Jacob returning back to the land of Bethel, according to the direction that God had given him in order to give him a place of safety from those neighboring Canaanite city states surrounding Shechem. We do recall that it was because of the rape of his daughter, Dinah, Shechem, the prince of the city that her two brothers, Simon and Levi, committed an, a great act of vengeance against all of the Shechemite men, killing all of them, taking their women and their property unto themselves. And Jacob upbraided his sons, telling them how they have caused problems for him because the other Canaanite, the other Canaanites who dwell around them are going to want to seek vengeance upon Jacob's small tribe because of what his sons had done. And so once again, God comes to Jacob's rescue for the preservation of God's word, for the keeping of Israel. That is that seed that God will bring about and the promise, the Abrahamic promise. So God once again delivers him, tells him to return back to Bethel. But before Jacob did that, he had to get rid of till his family his household and those who were with him to get rid of their household idols. I don't want to rehatch that again, but that was a serious problem. And all I ask is that you remember this, how that being near and beginning to interact with these Canaanites will cause a problem to the which God himself will provide a solution. And we'll see that solution being provided in chapter 37. But nevertheless, so he returns back into the land. He, be, he erects an altar of worship to God, the God of, uh, of Jacob, the, the God of Bethel. And he gets the public worship and there he begins to settle in the land. And then he finally moves to the place, the location where his father would be at in Hebron. And there at the end of the chapter, we see the numbering of the sons of Jacob because the, this number for his sons are set and the tribe, the heads of the tribes are therefore set. And I'm speaking in a generic sense at this time. OK, so now as we move into chapter 37, we deal with something that seems in some I'm sorry, chapter 36. I'm sorry, guys. Something that seems to be confusing to some, but nevertheless, I don't find it so confusing. It is a common thing that when there are significant individuals in the book of Genesis, you will see certain sections called toldot. And that's what we see. That's what we see when you see that these are the generations or the records of the generations toldot. So we can understand these as specific records dealing with specific people or the idea is what has become of them. What, do, what, what is the idea? What relates to the becoming or the end of that individual? Okay. And so since Esau has been a principal uh, member, one who has been mentioned in scripture up until this point, And we also remember that Esau was also a son, that is Jacob's brother, a son of Isaac. The Bible 
disposes. And I don't mean to say that in any way of negativity, it disposes of Esau. And the reason why I use that terminology and it's basically done this way in scripture is remember Esau is the non elect. His brother Jacob is the elect. And whenever I say elect, it simply means the one who has been chosen by God. And we saw that concerning Jacob and Esau in the womb when it was said, what? That the elder shall serve the younger. Esau shall serve Jacob. And that's why we saw Jacob attaining the blessing from his father, Isaac, and, and things of that nature. But And also, since I'm here, we also see that the seed, the promised seed, all the way back to Genesis 3 and 15, the promised seed would descend through this particular lineage. Okay. And so therefore Jacob is the one who was chosen. Jacob, who has become Israel, who will become greater, the nation of Israel, as we just ended chapter 35 with those 12 foundational sons. Okay. All right. But as we get into this issue concerning Esau, the scripture, even though this is lengthy, it shouldn't take long at all because I'm not going to get into any of the name derivations, name meanings, because they don't bear the same relevance and importance as names in other sections of the Bible may, may bear it out. Say, for instance, Genesis 4, Genesis 5. Those names seem to have greater importance or greater meaning behind those names. But these names... We're going to work, simply work our way through in reading these. And then I'll come in on pro uh, probably about three different sections to give you the meaning or the spiritual insight as to what we believe the scripture is trying to uh, relate to us concerning Esau and his descendants. Remember again, Esau is not the chosen one, but nevertheless, he is a son of Isaac. Okay. So let's begin. Now, these are the records of the generations of Esau. That is Edom. Esau took his wives from the daughters of Canaan. Ada, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite and Ohali Bama, the daughter of Ana and the granddaughter of Zebian, the Hivite. Also, Basemoth, Ishmael's daughter, the sister of Nabaioth. Ada bore Eliphaz to Esau and Basemath bore Ruel and Ohalibama bore Jeush and Jalam and Korah. These are the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. Then Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all his household and his livestock and all his cattle and all his goods, which he had acquired in the land of Canaan and went to another land away from his brother, Jacob for their property had become too great for them to live together. And the land where they sojourned could not sustain them because of their livestock. So Esau lived in the hill country of Seir. Esau is Edom. Okay. So in this particular section, the first thing that we see, and it is enumerated again and again in the scripture that Esau is Edom. And that is the nation and the peoples that will become the Edomites are of Edom, who is Esau. So Edom 
is a descendants. They are the descendants of Esau and they will dwell in the region of Mount Seir. So it then it continues to tell us about the three wives of Esau. Now we do note earlier that the scriptures told us concerning the wives of Esau and that the names of them were different. We don't know with, with um, any specificity whether the, the, these are different women and the former wives were considered irrelevant or they had died or in some way were replaced. Or sometimes we know in Hebrew scriptures, they will give different names for the same people. But nevertheless, these are the three wives that are spoken of for Esau, as well as the five sons that were given to the to Esau. And all of Esau's sons were born in the land of Canaan. Now, this is juxtaposed, or should I say, in contrast to Jacob's son. Isn't it interesting that Jacob's sons were born outside the land of Canaan and came into the land of Canaan to inherit, and Esau's son were born in, in the land of Canaan and left the land of Canaan. And this is very important for us to see because why? The land of Canaan is the inheritance of Jacob and his descendants. But nevertheless, so it talked about that Esau's sons. And also, of course, always remember, it doesn't include daughters because as a as a manner of, of course, daughters are not usually named when we're dealing with genealogy unless they come from families who played uh, unique roles or, or, or families of certain nobility or the woman herself was a woman of nobility or played a unique role in, in a certain sense. So the daughters are not mentioned. So it doesn't mean that Esau did not have daughters as the same was for Adam, but we're not going to rehash all of that. It just simply enumerates the text, his sons. All right. And then it talks about how Esau had great livestock. And it brings us, brings us to the same picture that we saw with Abraham and Lot, that both men substance was so great that they had to depart. So the idea is Esau was at one time living in the land of Canaan. We do remember that from the last time that the brothers had met, but anyway, Esau was living there, but their wealth had simply was just too great. And so they had to separate. Now that is a lot of wealth. Okay. And so Esau ended up migrating to the region called Mount Seir, which is where the Edomites will be. But the point that I also want to bring here is this, even though Esau is not the elect of God, son of Isaac, he is. But my point here is he was not abandoned by God. And and I want to bring in, and I'm trying to bring a certain shift in. Remember now, it is through Jacob and the 12 sons, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 sons of Jacob, all men who come from the seed of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 12 sons of Jacob. They are Jews. These are the Jews. Okay. And we can see how God has blessed the Jews. But the point that I want to also make you see here is he also blesses those who are 
not Jews. Esau will be classified, Edom, as a Gentile. He is not a Jew, but nevertheless, God blesses him as well. And that's a point that I also want us to see too. God blesses not only Jews, but Gentiles. No, no need to be envious, jealous, hostile toward the Jews. He blesses all. He has mercy unto all. And that's all I say about that. So now let's move to the next section. Verse number nine. The, these then are the records of the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites in the hill country of Seir. These are the names of Esau's son, Eliphaz, son of Esau's wife, Adah, Ruel, the son of Esau's wife, Basemath. The sons of Eliphaz were Timan, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Kanaz. Timnah was a concubine of Esau's son, Eliphaz, and she bore Amalek to Eliphaz. These are the sons of Esau's wife, Adah. These are the sons of Ruel, Nahath, and Zerah, Shammah, Mizah. These were the sons of Esau's wife, Basemoth. These were the sons of Esau's wife, Ohalibama, the daughter of Anah, and the granddaughter of Zibion. She bore to Esau, Jehush, and Jalam, and Korah. These are the chiefs of the sons of Esau. The sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn of Esau, are Chief Timon, Chief Omar, Chief Zepho, Chief Kenaz, Chief Korah, Chief Gatam, Chief Amalek. These are the chiefs descended from Eliphaz in the land of Edom. These are the sons of Adah. These are the sons of Ruel, Esau's son, Chief Nahath, Chief Zerah, Chief Shammah, Chief Mizah, these are the chiefs descended from Ruel in the land of Edom. These are the sons of Esau's wife, Basemoth. These are the sons of Esau's wife, Ohalibama, Chief Jehush, Chief Jalam, Chief Korah. These are the chiefs descended from Esau's wife, Ohalibama, the daughter of Anah. These are the sons of Esau, that is Edom. These are their chiefs. Okay, so now we, we start to deal with the genealogy of Esau. Remember, he had five sons, and then we also mentioned these 10 or 11 grandsons of Esau. And then the scripture talks about the chiefs of Esau. So the thing that is important to see concerning Esau is Notice very quickly how Esau began to multiply and become great in the land. So great that even during the lifetime of Esau, he saw some of his sons rise to greatness and they became chiefs over tribes of people, chiefs over the different tribes of people. And what is important about that once again to see is how God has blessed. Remember the whole point. Okay. Let me just take you back. Remember when God, when, when Jacob came and received the blessing, it was the blessing 
of material prosperity, the blessing of being the priest of the family, and also the blessing that he will receive the fatness of the land. That also has to do with the material prosperity and of the land itself. And later on, Esau came in begging for a blessing. And his father told him there was no particular blessing that he can give him. That is, that would be derived from the Abrahamic covenant. But nevertheless, he did say that one day he will break the yoke of his brothers, his brother from his neck. And then Esau would see such prosperity. So in Esau's separation from Jacob, he saw great prosperity and even some of his own sons, grandsons becoming great men within themselves, making therefore Esau an even greater man because Esau is the head of them all. In other words, even though Esau is not the elect son, the chosen one, God still blessed him greatly. And that's important to see here. Okay. So now let's continue on verse number 20. These are the sons of Seir, the Horite, the inhabitants of the land, Lotan and Shobal and Zibion and Anna and Dishon and Ezer and Dishon. These are the chiefs descended from the Horites, the sons of Seir in the land of Edom. The sons of Lotan were Hori and Hemam and Lotan's sister was Timna. These are the sons of Shobal, Alvan and Manahath and Ebal, Shepho and Onam. These are the sons of Zebian, Ayah and Anna. He is the Anna who found the hot springs in the wilderness when he was pasturing the donkeys of his father, Zebion. These are the children of Anna, Dishan, Ohalebama, the daughter of Anna. These are the sons of Dishan, Hemdan, and Eshban, and Ithran, and Keron. These are the sons of Ezer, Bilhan, and Zavan, and Akan. These are the sons of Dishan, Uz, and Aran. These are the chiefs descended from the Horites. Chief Lotan, Chief Shobal, Chief Zibion, Chief Anna, Chief Dishon, Chief Ezer, Chief Dishon. These are the chiefs descended from the Horites according to their various chiefs in the land of Seir. Now these are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the sons of Israel. Bela, son of Beor reigned in Edom and the name of his city was Dinba. Then Bela died and Jobab, the son of Zerah of Bozrah became king in his place. Then Jobab died and Husham of the land of the Temanites became king in his place. Then Husham died and Hadad, the son of Bedad, who defeated Midian in the field of Moab, became king in his place, and the name of his city was Avith. Then Hadad died, and Samla of Masrikah became king in his place. Then Samla died, and Shaul of Rehoboth on the Euphrates River became king in his place. 
Then Shaul died and Baal Hanan, the son of Akbor, became king in his place. Then Baal Hanan, the son of Akbor, died and Hadar became king in his place. And the name of his city was Pau and his wife's name was Mahatabil, the daughter of Matrid, daughter of Mizahab. Now these are the names of the chiefs descended from Esau, according to their families and their localities by their names, Chief Timnah, Chief Alva, Chief Jethith, Chief Ohalibamath, Chief Elah, Chief Pinon, Chief Kinnis, Chief Timon, Chief Mizbar, Chief Magdiel, Chief Iram. These are the chiefs of Edom, that is, Esau, the father of the Edomites, according to their habitations in the land of their possessions. Okay, now let's talk about this section. It's quite large in the genealogy. And verses number 20 to 30 basically deal with the Horites, okay, the sons of Seir, the Horites. The Horites were simply a people who were dwelling in the land before Edom, that is Esau and his descendants came and took the land for possession. And I think we see that in the book of Deuteronomy as well as Joshua, the scriptures make a notation of how Esau's descendants took Mount Seir, the land which will later be called the land of the Edomites. Okay. And so it was formerly the Horites. And it talked about the great princes that came, or should we say princes or chiefs, the idea is the same, that came from this Horites, namely Seir. Okay. And we also note that it was uh, Esau took a daughter of Seir and married her and took her for a wife as well. But nevertheless, this deals with the genealogy of the people who were in the land, no doubt conquered and incorporated to a certain degree in the Edomites. Okay. And then it continues on the text of the scripture in verses 31 to the end of the chapter to speak concerning the Kings that came about and the descendants. And it seemed like it was a Royal descendancy of Kings from, from father to son. So we had father to son reigning in, in Edom as for, as it has to do with being a King. Now, the point that I want you to see here is this, that even before, now note once again, that Jacob is the elect one chosen and blessed of God. We also see Esau chosen, not, I'm sorry, he is the non-elect, not chosen of God, bad error, don't ever want to make that error, not chosen of God, but nevertheless he is blessed and we can see that even so as Jacob himself is still just simply a shepherd, simply a shepherd in a tribal sense. Notice with Esau, the non elect, we see Kings and rulers coming from him much earlier. And notice what the scripture says in verse number 31, they reigned as King before there was any King in Israel. And we can see the blessings that is coming upon Esau even early at this time. Now, what I want to make you understand is the spiritual overtone. Okay. Jacob 
uh, is representative of the elect of God, the people of God, even us today. And notice, even though Jacob had the promises, remember the promises of the land, even the promises, Genesis chapter 17, we saw it concerning Abraham. Also, the same thing was reiterated to Jacob again, that even kings would come from him, but still not yet. They had to wait for the promises. They had to what? What the elect of God wait for the promises. But notice as Esau and his descendants, they are the spiritual type for the world, the spiritual type of the world. That's why I call them the non elect of God. But nevertheless, you can see certain material blessings. Now, the point that I want to bring to your attention is it is so evident how often that the world experiences material blessings when the elect of God, the people of God have to wait on the promises of God. They have to wait on the blessings of God. And I'm not talking about simply, simply the blessings in this world. That's not what I'm talking about because ultimately, ultimately we don't wait for blessings of material things in this world. But like Abraham, we are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God himself. We are not looking to drive around in BMWs, Mercedes Benz, and live in million dollar homes in this world that's simply gonna be torn down and destroyed where the moth get and rust decay. We're not looking for that. We're looking for an eternal home in the heavens made by God, the son of God himself. And therefore like Abraham, Isaac and Jacob himself, therefore we wait patiently for the promises of God, knowing that one day we ourselves will be made kings and priests unto our God. But until then, like our spiritual ancestors before us, we wait even as we look around and see in the whole world, the world may prosper and we wait on those promises for God to fulfill. But anyway, I think that was a beautiful picture that God gave us, even though he was dispensing once again with the descendants of Esau. That is, okay, Esau was a, a, was a, a prominent figure per se, and so therefore we're gonna finish off his genealogy so that we can concentrate on the seed genealogy. That is Jacob and what happens with Jacob's family. And so we're gonna be finished with Esau. But even as the scriptures did finish off per se in that sense, you guys understand what I'm saying. The genealogy of Esau, God still gave us a wonderful spiritual type of prosperity the prosperity of the world over against the patience of the saints. All right, guys, thanks for joining me on that short video. We'll see you next time as we get into chapter 37 and we continue on talking about the descendants of Jacob. And now we begin, we will focus on one particular one, Joseph, and we'll begin to reveal why God chose Joseph. All right. See you next time.